welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. I have in mind to do something quite different this morning. And I believe it's going to follow on. I hadn't really planned to do that. A little bit of worship like that at all. Well, I hadn't really planned. I hadn't planned. It's funny, that, that song, uh, I Honour You, is actually written as a children's song, but when you think about it, those very simple words go very deep, don't they? Hallelujah. Now, what we're going to do is, well, it's to do with I am the way, the truth, and the life, because that's what God's having us look at right now. But particularly, it's I am the way. What does that mean? We've been investigating different ways of looking at it. Because it doesn't speak of, the word way doesn't really speak of words, but actions. It doesn't really speak of so much intellectual thought as an experience of who God is. Perhaps that's why we're using that really simple worship song. If you're an intellectual person and you, you know, I love the hymns of, John, uh, Charles Wesley, but sometimes I just want simple, because it's about understanding, but it's also about experiencing. God gave us emotions. Very often they run out of control. That's not a bad thing. It's usually part of what God has built into us to protect us. If we are fearful, often it's because it was good to be fearful. But very often these emotions of fear, anxiety, even shame, take over. Let's just think for a minute of the way, because it's very closely linked to Dare to Dream, which is quite familiar to a lot of you who come here regularly. It's the shortest version there is of kind of our collective vision. Dare to Dream. What does that mean? It, you could interpret it really weakly, couldn't you, as dare to, a kind of a dare to daydream, dare to just think about things that are never going to happen. But that's not what's in there. It's kind of the dreaming that a young athlete has when they want to do well, maybe get a gold medal in the Olympics. It was the dream, sadly not fully realized, of the English rugby players as they were kicked off at 9 o'clock in the morning, well, our time. And their dream was they dared to dream that they could win the Rugby World Cup. They probably dared to dream they could break the All Blacks, and they did. So I should imagine they were on a confident run. And then they just hit that wall of green, smack. 32-12, wasn't it? Wow. Dream was shattered, or was it? Because when it doesn't work out quite as you plan, it either pushes you down and you run away from it, or you say, next time. Next time. I mean, how many rugby matches have England lost? <laughs> Now, how many times have they beaten the All Blacks? Once! <laughs> and that one matters. Their dream is about looking forward to something that's possible. It actually is the, also, I believe, the same as when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is a heaven. It's, it's not just dream as in fall asleep and dream. 
<coughs> or daydream. It's dream in the sense of have a vision. It's discover and realize the purpose and destiny Jesus has for you. But the problem can be when you talk of purpose and destiny is if you're somebody who's really, you know, struggling, it can feel like just something else to struggle over. And we'll come back to that. But your kingdom come. I mean, what are we pulling down from heaven? What are we seeing in heaven to be established here on the earth in terms of that prayer? And when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done. It's for your own life. It's for the life of your church family. It's for the life of your community. You're saying kingdom come here on earth in all aspects, the rule and the reign of Jesus. I mean, just think, how much poverty is there in heaven? Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a simple question, but you have to remember it keeps me going up here. There isn't any. So we're not, we're not trying to see poverty established. What about disease? How much disease is there in heaven? None. Okay, so that's out. We're not seeking to establish anything of disease. I know you think I've gone mad here slightly, but sometimes just turning something on its head <coughs> can make us realize just how wrong it is to think stuff like that is part of God's plan. Is there abuse or addiction in heaven? No, so that is never God's plan. Can God work good things out of those? Oh, surely. He can take the worst and most terrible situations and circumstances that we can possibly go through, and he can actually turn them, and will turn them, into good things in our lives. What about love? Is there any love in heaven? A fair bit. <laughs> so can you imagine, let's dare to dream of a town, of a borough, where love is one of its prime characteristics. Wouldn't that be amazing? Coming up this month, there's the sort of community project that we were very keenly involved with last year and we're involved with again. It's very simple. It's just called Say Hello. That's all it's called. Say Hello. And it has a very simple vision. Really, it's just about connecting people. In a world that's disconnected face-to-face -face because it thinks it's connected online, we need face-to-face -face connections. And what we know from evidence is that there is a plethora of loneliness. Maybe even you feel lonely right now. But there's no loneliness in heaven. And the, the, the Say Hello campaign is just about making connections. And they, they, they very much ask us to be part of it because, excitingly, they say this is what you're doing at the summit. It's a very complimentary thing for these cafes and council members and business people to say over what we do. It, it's, it's an honor that people would say that of us. And we can't take it lightly. It's something to, to guard and to treasure. Yeah? Peace, joy, happiness, gentleness, these are all things of heaven. But I don't want to talk much more. I know, it's a shock, isn't it? I'm gonna, what I need to do is introduce you to, uh, to some people. Uh, I'm going to then have those people up here. They don't know who they are yet, and don't worry, they're not you as a person, they're people from the Bible. But I'm going to ask people to come uh, and represent them.
Uh, and then we're going to walk through just a simple improvisational drama, really, with music and let the Lord speak. We were at uh, Dave's mum's funeral this week, and he uh, asked me to use this song, You Say, by Lauren Daigle. And I'd actually heard it before and thought it was really, that's a really good song, but you put it right back in front of me. And um, he said to me, I asked him, why, why are you using that? And he said, well, it's because, and he's saying this with his brothers there as well. He says, it's because it's the kind of things my mum would say to me, but actually it's what God says to us. And you'll see what I mean later. But I want to put it in the context of the way. Because the way, really, is what Jesus was doing and did, and is doing. So I want you to be able to visualise it in some way, using people. So, I'm going to pick some people and put them into action, I guess. Uh, I want you to introduce you, first of all, Levi. Now, Levi is upstairs, our Levi, with the children, I think. So, Jossie, could you be a Levi substitute for me? You have a big part. Sit on the chair. <laughs> you don't look that casual. So, what I'm going to ask each person in this to do is I'm going to talk a little, very briefly, <coughs> a little bit about the encounter they get with Jesus. Um, and then we're going to, I, I'm going to be Jesus, as it was, and walk and meet these people so that you can just see the response. You'll see how it all, is all going to come together. At least it does in my head. Um, he's sitting on a chair. This is, Math, this is also the guy known as Matthew in the Gospels. And I don't know how well you know your Bible, but Matthew, or Levi, was a tax collector. Now, the HMRC these days is not exactly the most popular organization. And people don't usually go around declaring their utmost love and dedication towards tax collectors today. But you've got a picture that in Jesus' time, Matthew was Jewish, and he was collecting taxes for the enemy. So how much more despicable would you feel about tax collectors where they are taking money off you, and we don't know whether Matthew was honest or not, but they had a reputation for being dishonest. And then they give that money over to your oppressors. So not only do you want to pay, not pay it, it's who it's going to. And tax collectors, therefore, when you because it often talks about sinners and tax collectors in the Bible, doesn't it? And it it sounds almost humorous, but you've got to realize that these tax collectors were seen as traitors to the community. They weren't just sinners. These were actually people working with the enemy to make life worse for you. And I think that's important to put Matthew here in that context. You are sitting at a desk taking taxes. Okay? So if you just freeze in a position, yeah, that's good. If you think you can hold that that length of time, that's awesome. Now... And then later, when we, when we uh, go through with the song, I'll come up to each person in turn and just stand with you a while and then beckon you to follow me. Now, not all these people that we're going to encounter immediately got up and followed Jesus. That's not what it is. It's not a drama of what happened. It's a drama of what goes on in the spirit when the way is in action.
So there's Matthew, okay, sitting at a table. And what Jesus said to him, I bet most of us know. I won't be saying it later on, but it, it's quite simply, there he is with this hated person. And he says, follow me. Okay? So then each of the people are going to follow me. So hang back a little bit because the scene, if you like, is on the next encounter. So the next person, and in fact, just to help you, I don't know where you're going to wedge that, but <laughs> you can hold it if you wish, Josie. Um, so the next one is actually another tax collector. If I get this, you might begin to guess. You may have guessed already. I can hear some whisperings out there. I think I, think I know you've got it. It's Zacchaeus. Very odd story, Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. So you thought he was bad. This guy is the chief. And he actually emphasizes that he was very wealthy. Well, how did he get wealthy? Extortion of his people. And he does something, well, I say the story is very odd because we've kind of got to step back into first century culture a little bit. Because it says that he ran through the streets. Well, uh, a wealthy man would not have run. That would have been humiliate, humiliating and demeaning. Perhaps he was a bit scared as well of the crowds because if he's not got his protection mob with him, they might decide to exact some of their own taxes back again. But he runs through the crowd, and it says he's short so that he climbs up a tree. He's also making sure he's not too close to the crowd. Uh, Brian, would you mind being Zacchaeus for me? <laughs> You're someone that regularly takes money off the people at the summit. <laughs> not for extortion, I hope. <laughs> if you could just climb the tree. Uh, health and safety, though, be careful. I've assessed it. It's slightly dodgy. Yeah, yeah, just, just sit down. That's it. He's making me nervous already. Uh, when Jesus came to Zacchaeus, and it must have been an odd sight, talking to this wealthy guy stuck up a tree, he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. This is chief of tax collectors. And he's inviting himself for dinner. And when you sat down to dinner with people, it showed, particularly in that culture, we've got to grasp what it was like in first century, that you valued them. It was, it was a way of entering into covenant, which, of course, is what Jesus did in the Last Supper. It was a very significant meal to take people. This guy is despised in the community. Zacchaeus, that is. Sorry, Sorry about that. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> uh, who shall we do now? Let's have the woman at the well. Joanne, would you be the woman at the well? If you just come and sit about here at the well, on the edge of the well. Now, if you're part of Kingdom Faith, it's a story that we've talked about a lot, so... But the remarkable thing in this story is that Jesus goes out of his way to talk to this lady. 
she's, again, she's not despised in the way Zacchaeus was, but she's known as a woman who at the very most has dodgy morals, really. She's had many husbands. Whether it was, it was probably actually their choice to divorce her, so she's been through a lot of bad treatment at the hands of men. It's all right, the tree's not coming down, Joanne, you're safe. So I'm not going to go through this whole story of this rejected woman in her community. Uh, Jesus actually sits next to her, and the words he says to her, are, or some of them, you don't have to wait any longer. I am the one you're looking for. You don't have to wait any longer. I am the one you're looking for. If you can just keep those visible so people can remember, because nine names is going to be a long, lot of names to remember, or positions. We don't know your name. The Orthodox Church said it was Phototini, which is a Greek name. Um, let's do the woman caught in adultery. I can only pick my wife so that I don't get into trouble. Um, could you come over here and sort of crouch down as if you're afraid people are going to throw rocks at you? That's great. <laughs> Strange man. Um, again, it's a story I'm sure you know well, but this woman was about to be judged by the religious leaders of the time. Sounds a familiar, ongoing story. We don't need to actually add leaders. We can just say, be judged by the religious. Or even be judged by believers happens quite a lot. They're about to throw stones. We don't generally throw stones to stone somebody to death. We just use things like social media. The latest in the woke world is when someone has made a mistake and used the wrong words or done the wrong thing is they are now cancelled. It's a nice word, isn't it, for a human being. They are cancelled. Jesus, of course, famously says to this well, actually to the crowd around her, but it was certainly to her ears. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And of course the crowd melt away because all of them know they are just as guilty as is everyone in the room right now. The fifth one. Hannah, would you mind helping? If you come and sit here. Yours is a slightly tricky one, but you know, you're in the drama world. <laughs> you're not going to make a costume, though. You're going to be the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garments. So yours is going to be slightly different to all the rest, because all the rest are completely static, and then I get them to follow me. But when we come to you, and I'll still give you a card, I want you to just stand up and touch me and then freeze. Is that okay? So the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment was a very brave lady because she was regarded as unclean in the community. And again, she could have faced the same 
uh, fate as the adulteress if she was caught. She'd have certainly faced some violence, almost certain, because she shouldn't have been there, and she shouldn't be touching a holy man like the rabbi. <coughs> but she does, and she's healed, of course, and it must, her world must have just, well, it must have been like she just fell down a hole and felt completely exposed, because she's quietly sneaked through, grabbed the hem, and she's trying to get away, and Jesus turns and says, who touched me? And of course, all these people are touching him, and the disciples say, well, loads of people, and he says, no, one person did with faith. But she would have been terrified that he was about to rebuke her and perhaps have her set up for a stoning. But what does he do? Well, just one line from it that you need to remember, or something like it. Beloved daughter, your faith has healed you. They're powerful words, these of Jesus, aren't they? The next one in our... Oh, I gave you yours. The next one in our little sketch is Nicodemus. I mean, you might be thinking, who's Nicodemus? He was that Pharisee that sneaked through the night to meet with Jesus. So he, he was a wealthy person, a man of authority as a Pharisee, and considerable power in the community. And yet, when it comes to Jesus, he's sneaking through the night. He's afraid of that very community. He's afraid he might lose that position of power, that position of authority. I was wondering if you'd be Nicodemus, Ron. Because you're sitting on the front row. But, what are word, Jesus' words to John, or to Nicodemus rather? He's the first person to hear directly from Jesus, you must be born again. And that is recorded forever. What a privilege. Yeah, he just sneaked through the night. He was so ashamed. He's so ashamed of meeting Jesus, and yet Jesus is, he's, he's the first person to hear, or the first person that's recorded, you must be born again. How, what what honour is that? And if you read the little story there in John, it, it, the, the story of this part, it goes straight into, for God so loved the world. We don't know whether it was Jesus saying it directly to Nicodemus or John adding it to the story. It makes no difference. It's still scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, and remember Jesus is talking to one of the Pharisees, that whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Imagine being the very first person to hear it. And even if he wasn't, because John wrote it later, imagine having your story associated with that scripture. Isn't that an honour from God? And yet, he sneaked through the night. Later, he was one of the ones to bury the body of Jesus. The number seven, I'm going to have Alex for that one. Thank you, Alex. Uh, this is the paralyzed man. If you could just lie on the floor there. Awesome, you, you play that so well. <laughs> Again, probably a story you all know well. This is the guy that was brought by his friends and lay, lay, uh, lowered through the roof. 
right at the feet of Jesus. Remember, we're looking at the way Jesus was interacting and encountering all these people. And so often in the Bible, we can kind of put people in these positions and then we realize they're just like us. Just like us. And worse, perhaps. I don't know. We all feel worse. The paralyzed man... is at the feet of Jesus. And he said, Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus knows that this man's consciousness of his wrongdoing and sin is more paralyzing than the physical paralysis. And if we can't understand that we are forgiven, sin paralyzes us. And Jesus gives the powerful line, Stand up, pick up your bed, and walk. All three of which are impossible. And he does them. Everything Jesus will tell you to do in this world will be impossible. And yet you will do them. And I just love in the middle of this stand up and walk, pick up your bed. Why do I love that little bit? Because... So often people think that, oh, grace is just letting everybody else do everything for me. Jesus is saying, don't leave that bed there on the floor. You can take that. Pick up your responsibility. Don't just let everybody else do it. In the middle of all that healing and miracles, he reminds the paralyzed man, you were paralyzed. Now you're not going to need those four friends to carry you around. You need to walk and you can carry your own bed. Stretch a thing. Two more, and then I've finished. And we'll run through the sketch with the music. The videos are going to be on the screen with the words as well, because I just love the words in these videos. And I th I hopefully, the impression we get of looking at Jesus following the way, I mean, he is the way, but he's following it because it's God, will help us to understand how Jesus operates today. Uh, the next one, not so famous, but she's in the Gospels. Um, it's another lady. Um, maybe Elka, you, would you mind helping me? Thank you. Um, this is the woman who, we, it doesn't really explain what's gone on, but she's um, unable to straighten up. She's just bent over like this. So that's a bit uncomfortable, sorry. The woman unable to straighten up. And... Uh, it, the, the, the Gospels basically explain that it's, it's a spirit of bondage that is on her. So presumably, normally when these things are happening, it, you, you don't just get taken over like that. It's things that have happened to you. So she's probably had a lot of things done to her that have been abusive, unkind, uncaring. But also this woman has probably, we don't know, well, she will have sinned, but we don't know how she sinned. But she's probably been engaged in something that's opened that door to the enemy in her life. But Jesus doesn't focus on all of that. In fact, it says, and I think this is interesting, he says he laid hands gently on her. Because a lot of people would have been frightened of this bent over woman. 
They wouldn't have wanted to touch her. And he gently says to her, Dear woman, you are free. And she straightens up. Amazing. Last person. Who shall I choose? Martin. You're young. Compared to me, anyway. Let's go over here. You're going to be Peter. Excellent. <laughs> uh, now, this is after that breakfast they'd had. So, actually, could you sit on the floor? Because they were sat on the beach. There you go. Uh, this is the story uh, at the end of the gospel. John writes about it. And Jesus has come back after the resurrection, and he has breakfast with them. <laughs> this, is, this is no apparition or ghost or vision, as some people try to tell the story of. You, you can't have fish bones left over from breakfast with a vision. But they did. They had the remains of a meal left. And even more oddly, in some respects, it was Jesus that cooked breakfast. I mean, this is the creator of the universe. This is God. And he cooks breakfast. I love it. It also shows who he is and what God is really like. He's not some stuck-up, pompous guy on a big throne expecting everybody to throw themselves at his feet. He's someone who wants to cook you breakfast and would enjoy cooking you breakfast more than anything in the world because he came to show us the way. And he's with Peter and, of course, they've had a great breakfast, but he knows that still in Peter's mind is the fact that he betrayed him just before he was crucified. You remember, he denies Jesus three times. That little servant girl, no power, no authority, not... not Nothing like the man, the physical man that Peter would have been as a fisherman. And yet when this girl accuses him of being with Jesus, no, 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 I never knew him. And he is carrying that now. And the problem with things like that is he, doesn't, he probably intellectually knows he's forgiven because he's been around with Jesus. But he's not actually living in the freedom of knowing he's forgiven at all. And that's the problem when you carry guilt for anything, is it stops you flourishing in the very things God wants you to flourish in. Guilt is one of the most selfish things you can hold on to. Because it stops you walking in the way God has. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a cage that presses in on you. and stops you being the fullness. If Peter had kept this guilt, who knows what would have been the rest of his life. Maybe he would have still walked with Jesus. But you can almost guarantee that he wouldn't have had that love and gentleness and patience and faith and been the amazing leader that he was because he'd have been restricted by it. And so Jesus says to Peter, amongst other things, do you burn with love for me? You say, oh, I haven't heard that translation before. It's from the Aramaic Aramaic was the language that Jesus spoke. It's a dialect of Hebrew, really. And the word in, for love in Hebrew is a root, the root of that word is to set on fire. That's what love is in Aramaic, to be set on fire with love, to be set on fire with passion. And I just love that because it's not just in the Greek you've got the whole split between words, and one of, them, one of the words that Jesus uses means to 
sort of love in action and in deed. But in the Aramaic, what also really, really comes out is, but it's got to be with passion. There's got to be feelings. It's not some cold, distant service. Do you really love me? Do you burn with passion for me, Peter? And he asks him three times. Until Peter gets it. What does Peter get? Forgiven. He's asking me to lead his church, even though I betrayed him three times. He's just told me three times to lead his church. He trusts me still. He loves me still, even as I love him. Do you burn with love for me? So, there's our nine people. I'll quickly remind you of them. We have Levi, the tax collector. Follow me. We have Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. We have the woman at the well. You don't have to wait any longer. I am the one you're looking for. <clears throat> the woman caught in adultery. Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Why did I choose those words rather than what he actually said to her? Because it's like the words, like the action are him standing in front of her and protecting her. Jesus likes to stand in front of you and protect you from others. That's why. Um, the woman who touched the hem of garment, that's going to be you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Or beloved daughter, really. Gets it better in English. Nicodemus, well, there he is. You must be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that nobody should perish, but all believe in him will cross over from life, sorry, from death to life. And in the next verse, it's just as brilliant, really. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. So many people think he came to bring judgment. No, he came to save it. Over here, we've got the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Do the impossible. The woman who's unable to um, straighten up. Dear woman, you are free. And then over to Peter. Three times. Do you burn with love for me? Amen? So. I'm just going to... Um, play the role of Jesus, as it were, and go to these people in turn while the song is playing. Because I've given you lots of words, and actually perhaps from what we want more than anything this morning is the experience of the way, which is why I want to do it visually. And also, as we're doing it visually, I believe music's very powerful as well, isn't it? And the music will also enable us to engage in the experience of following Jesus as the way. It might not be your style of music, but um, just, just press in with what God is saying to you. And as I say, the words of the song will be on 
the two videos that are going to play. There's actually two songs. One's called You Say, and then the second one is Everything. And we're just going to um, stay here uh, until both songs have completely finished. The actual playing out of this, uh, for you actors, it will be quite slow. It, it will take quite some time. Uh, could you play it for me then, please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm just a nobody that wants to tell everybody about the somebody that rescued me. Father, I pray that none of us in this room would be famous for any wrong reasons, but Lord, as a bunch of nobodies, we would just tell the world about that wonderful somebody, that Jesus that rescued us. And that, Father, we could be part of this wonderful, beautiful, amazing way that you've laid out before us that just shows love and acceptance to so many people, the enemies of the community, the rejected, that those caught up in terrible sin, the people with completely wrong theology, the wealthy, those with authority and power, those who are so caught up in things of the wrong spirit, their lives are just bent double. Those who, for whom things that have happened to them and things they've done have kind of paralyzed them from action. And for those who know that they've denied you, even as a follower of you, Father, we saw the way of Jesus is to encounter every single one of them and restore them to a place with you. No matter how much we fail, no matter how much we fall, no matter how much we sin, it's all been paid for at the cross. Whether you've ever said yes to Jesus or whether you said yes to Jesus 40 years ago, Jesus still died for you. And he still stands there today with his arms outstretched, saying, come, follow me. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I must come to your house and eat with you and you with me. Stand up, rise up, pick up your mat and follow me. My child, you are set free. You must be born again. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, <clears throat> shall not live apart from God forever, but with him in eternity. For God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. Thank you, Father. Father, as we reach out like the woman who touched the hem, we pray you'd turn and face us and say, who touched me? Because our touch to you would be with faith, that the power of God would flow through us to bring healing not just to us, but to our families and to our community. Father, there's so much that, that stands in contradiction to everything we believe. We, see, we, we live in a world of darkness, and that darkness is all around us. And even 
affects our families and affects the way we live and changes our minds away from that path that you've put us on. But Lord, we pray by your mercy and by your grace, restore us as people together walking on that way of holiness. Father, I thank you that today in that short sketch, we saw the way of holiness. The way of holiness is not set apart from the world. It's just not engaging in the world with their sin, but engaging with the world in love so that they can see Jesus in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, do take a seat. Honestly, if you're here today and you've never taken the opportunity to answer Jesus, because the reality is, the wonderful truth is, that he says, come follow me to everyone. And that can be people who've never known him, or it can be people that have once followed him and know that they've gone backwards. But he says it, come, follow me. And if you're one of those people, particularly, I think, if you've never said yes to the Lord, this morning could be that time. You've seen what it means. Sometimes religion is used in a bad way. What we mean is legalism and following sets of rules. But what you saw this morning is true religion. That's how to be religious. That's how to walk in the way. Religion means a way of life. And you saw the way of life acted out in front of you this morning. And so much richer if you go and read the actual stories, of course. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, then when we finish today, come and talk to me. And we can explore how that is for you. What that means for you. To join that walk. And I was entering in just before that video showed um, about reasons for doing this today. And it is because, as I said, for me, this is Dare to Dream, which is what this building is all about. I mean, it's much bigger than this building. It's us as a community, in the community, in our house churches. But the summit offering particularly focuses on this. The very first summit offering we ever took is actually what enables us to even be in this building. Amazingly, incredibly. Uh, and it, it's always significant. And the last time we did it, which was about uh, roughly 18 months ago, we, we did a very specific thing and said, this is the different needs, if you like, in the building. And we had things like, not particularly exciting things in many ways, but needed things like shutters door, shutter doors in the, in the hub and equipment in different places. I haven't, we haven't done that this time because I wanted to say that when we give into the summit offering today, it's, it's not so that we can get that paint done, although that has to be done. It's because we dare to dream. And we go behind that dream in that way. 
And so that's when we do the summit offering in a minute. That's what we're doing. We're saying, yep, I'm part of that. And this isn't to twist your arm because that would be ridiculous. I'm not about twisting your arm. I just want to outline the vision. You know, when you sow seed or soil or listen to a band, <laughs> now when you sow seed, you want to sow it in good soil so it grows well, don't you? I think this is very, very good soil. I can't believe there is actually a marching band. I mean, you don't get much more distracting than a marching band going past, do you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're going to do that offering. I think what we'll do is if the worship team could be... No, you don't need to jump. Oh, that's Martin. He's not the worship team. Um, the worship team, if you can sort of come up towards... That, we'll show that video again for the first part of the summit offering. That can be playing. Uh, and that will give anybody in the worship team an opportunity to uh, find uh, one of the buckets and sew into it. Um, we've got these envelopes around. This is the practical stuff. Um, those are the, what you can put it in. Um, and if you are a taxpayer, remember, it's great if you can let us know that so that we can get the tax back on what you give. It makes a substantial difference uh, when you do. There should also be, hopefully, some slips around. Are there, Martin, for? Credit cards and things. Are they out on the chairs? Or if you need anything else, just ask Martin. Just go up to him and say, can I have an envelope? Can I have a, a slip or whatever? Um, there's other ways as well on that um, card it tells you about if you want to give. You can actually pay by check. Anybody got one? <laughs> Kingdom Faith, the Yorkshire Trust. If you can find the checkbook from the history, book, from the history books. Uh, and there's also PayPal and stuff on there as well, if you, if you want to do that. And there's some little bit of text about, about it. But really, hopefully you've seen what I think for us is what it's about. It's about people. And it's about this place being an effective tool to sit down, to invite people to, to bring people into an environment where God is. And... As we, even as we do this, though, don't, don't let go now of what God is also saying to you this morning. Because I know that in this room, through what God has done, there's been healing going on, hasn't there? And restoration, and a realisation, he loves me. Why do I get in such a mess over these things? I've just got to trust God. Jesus once turned to his disciples and said, after lots had left him, well, what about you lot then? <coughs> Um, and, they, and they say to him, well, what else have we got? And sometimes it's like that as a Christian, you know, as well. It's like, well, what else is there? Why, why? This isn't quite how I wanted it, going through this right now, but it will be an awful lot worse if you weren't with me. What else have I got? Hallelujah. So... Let's run that video again, and as we come towards the end of the video, if the worship team could go up and just take us into something that is just worship in uh, God's presence. Another Jesus song. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.